Hey, what's up, everyone? It is C.W. Hall. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Medical Association of Georgia's Top Docs radio show. We've been doing this show for five years now. Really excited about that. Today, we're going to be talking about the direct primary care model, direct contracting practice model of delivering care to patients. Remind you, with more than 8,000 members in every specialty and practice setting, MAG is the leading voice of physicians in Georgia. Make sure you go to mag.org for details on MAG or how to join MAG if you're a physician in Georgia. With more than 100 episodes in the book, we have now reached over 450,000 viewers around the country and indeed around the globe with 50 states and over 80 countries tuning in over time. I'd like to express MAG's sincere thank you to Alliant Health Solutions for its support of the show as a sponsor. Today, I'm pleased to have back with me in the studio Dr. Brian Hill got a chance to meet him not long after they had founded their company. He is the co-founder and president CEO of a company called Hip Nation. We we're going to be talking about that today. They're an innovation, innovative healthcare delivery company, changing the way patients and employers pay for healthcare services. He's been active in healthcare reform for much of his career, and in fact, he wrote a book on the subject and has appeared on a number of high-profile media outlets, including our show and CNN, <laughs> Fox News. He's a member of the medical. Association of Atlanta's Board of Directors and graduated from the MAG Foundation's Georgia Physicians Leadership Academy. It's worth noting that he is his, this is his second appearance on the Top Docs Radio Show, and I appreciate you coming back. I can't believe you actually asked me to come back, CW. Sounds like a lot has <laughs> happened since we first got started uh, talking about Hip Nation. And if you would take a moment and introduce folks to Hip Nation and what launched this as a as a way to deliver care to patients no sure well thanks and and i appreciate being able to come back and have a conversation with with you again we had a lot of fun the first time and and i suspect we'll do the same uh so hip nation it's it's yeah i kind of say my baby a little bit it it is a a love of us as physicians founded by physicians to try to find a better way to bring health care to the people that we're blessed to take care of our, our members. So what Hip Nation is when we talk about innovation in healthcare, and oftentimes those two words are kind of diametrically opposed. You don't think about innovation in healthcare really going hand in glove. We still use faxes in healthcare, right? Who else uses faxes in the world? <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, it's funny. Uh, anyway, I, the, the idea of Hip Nation is that, and what I see ourselves as, is that we're healthcare delivery. You know, we want to change the way that healthcare is brought into you know the members of our society. So I kind of see us as a little bit of an of an island, if you will, uh, where we've brought physicians together under our little island amongst the the sea of what is currently healthcare, and and we've changed the way that we bring healthcare to people, and that we would be kind of if you would look at say a micro ecosystem within healthcare, and what we do is we create a foundation of our healthcare ecosystem in great primary care. So we use a a direct membership-based model, direct primary care model for primary care, where our primary care physicians don't take any insurance at all. And then we actually do direct contracting for labs, imaging, specialty care, consults, ambulatory surgery, basically everything up to the front door of the hospital, we do direct contracting to do that. And when we do direct contracting, we mean payment at the point of service for each of those items. And when we put this ecosystem together, you know, we then take our ecosystem, which now is great primary care, with payment at the point of service for kind of all those 
secondary ancillary products, labs, imaging, those products now, since they're payment at the point of service, are lower cost. So now we got a great healthcare system with great primary care, a lower cost outpatient system, and we can go and sell that to employers and and do a direct contract between physicians and employers and get rid of a lot of the middlemen that are wreaking havoc in the healthcare system. I I, I understand, and when when you look at this kind of model, would you differentiate it in any way from what is kind of commonly referred to as concierge medicine? I, I, I want to make sure that in, in talking to you, I believe there is a difference um, because the listener may think uh, that's that's probably one of those things that's only for folks of means that can and afford such a membership-based model. Talk about that because right. your approach is a little different and the audience of consumers who would be able to participate in this kind of care delivery model is a lot wider. Yes, yes. I mean, our goal, and, and we talk about concierge medicine, you know, the, the idea behind concierge is great, uh, right? You, you know, as a, as a individual get to access your primary care physician, your physician sees 75% fewer patients, you get your cell phone of your doctor, you can text your doctor, all of those things are awesome aspects of healthcare. I mean, imagine how, how wonderful that would be, and people with high net worth pay for that. Well, what we want to do is, is I don't want to create an exclusive club with a few people being able to access that, that level of care. I believe everybody should be able to access that level of care. You know, everybody from you know the janitors to the receptionists to you know we say everybody from the janitor up to the C-suite, right, should be able to have that level of of healthcare. It'd be remarkable. And so we don't just say, hey, that's a something we're going to stop at is this kind of thing. We want it. We change the entire kind of phys, you know physician payment ecosystem so that that we've got that access to primary care, but then we also do direct contracting for labs and imaging and specialty care and ambulatory surgeries. And the way we work is that the price for our healthcare system now is so much less because it's more efficient to not have all those hands in the pie that then we actually go out into the market and we say, hey, we're going to go and find unique, innovative insurance products that go, you guys are providing great health care, lower cost specialty care. Therefore, the premiums on the insurance products now become less so that we have synergistic insurance products that align with our healthcare product so that the overall cost of care actually comes down. So you get concierge care and lower health insurance premiums. And when you do go access healthcare outside of the primary care space, healthcare is more affordable because we make it more efficient. So it's a full solution. It sounds like it would be a nice environment for a physician. The, the, the practices that I've talked to over time in the primary care space will have a roster of several thousand patients that they're trying to manage, which obviously presents a number of challenges, uh, especially time with my doctor. They've got, a, mm-hmm. they've got a lot of patients they have to see today. Talk about the environment for the physician in this model and what, what benefits might you know, be there for, for somebody who wants to provide care in this way. Yeah, that's great. And, and I will tell you, there's two things. And, and first, I think for physicians, and, you know, physicians, you know, went into medicine because we were called to take care of people. I mean, that, that's why we went to medical school. It's why we went to residency. Right? We had this vision of going, how do I interact and engage with UCW and make you healthy and make you well? And, and how do I become a doctor in your life? And in the world, as you just mentioned, with the current traditional model, 
know, primary care physicians are running around seeing 2,500, 3,000 people, 20 to 25 people a day, right. right? Following all the insurance requirements of checking boxes on the computer, all the administrative requirements of checking more boxes on the computer, all of these things that distract us from taking care of our patients. You know, it's why we spend seven minutes with you and spend half our time doing administrative-based work because we're so distracted, right? So for a physician, one, we didn't go to medical school to do that. And when you talk about physicians being burnt out, it's not burnt out of taking care of you. It's burnt out of all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. So we say get rid of all that other stuff because our primary care doctors don't have any insurance in their office. They're just paid on a monthly membership model. They don't code. They don't bill. They don't have a back office of people having to deal with an insurance company. Get rid of all that and let me focus on you. And so what that does for a physician is it allows them to be a doctor again. You know, it allows them to provide great healthcare services to people, which is awesome. The second gain that comes out of that is that when I get to create that relationship with you, I get to walk with you through this life as a physician. I get to see you getting better and getting healthier and getting well. When I'm not just sitting here having to pro- prescribe a pill to you continually, but actually seeing how I can change your life. I mean, talk about the positive feedback that comes out of medicine. Talk about solving the problem of physician burnout. Talking about solving the problem of an unhealthy society, we do that. Then, as a physician, why would you not want to do that? And especially if we can create a healthcare ecosystem that is just not for the few, we want this to be for everyone. We want this to be for the many. And so I think, I think it's a great calling for physicians to come into this type of a model. One of the things about that traditional model we talked about with lots of patients on my on my roster, and that as in primary care, it, it seems that the way that I'm going to optimize my financial opportunity, let's face it, it's a career, it's a business, it's not just the noble right. act of caring for patients. Am I seeing at least as good of a financial opportunity if my practice is delivering care in this way versus trying to see as many patients as I possibly can? Uh, without a doubt. So, so the beautiful part of this is when we talk about getting rid of all those intermediaries in healthcare. If you look at an average primary care physician's office, their overhead's around 60 to 70%. It's all back office. You know, studies show, look at a Harvard Business Review study, you know, there's about 10 full-time equivalent employees per physician in primary care. About four or five of them are in the primary care physician's office, right? So I'm working like a dog running through seeing 25 people to make sure that I'm paying off all my back office to try to somehow make sure I get paid. You know, and so if I get rid of all that back office, now my overhead costs drop drastically. Now my patient panels can diminish. And then money that's now going to all those people that have nothing to do with healthcare go away. Now the financial resources are actually being utilized for me as a physician being able to get paid for my services, but I can do it at a lower cost and with less volume of patients. What about the concept of accessibility? If my doctor is seeing fewer patients, am I going to have a hard time getting my, my – if I'm an employer, right. am I going to have all of my – my group scene is it is it is it able to handle the volume of patients that might come with that kind of relationship? Yeah, certainly. And and so the beautiful part from an employer side, so we go out and we, we sell to employers. We have our, our healthcare ecosystem of you know I said that membership model for primary care without insurance, the outpatient system of specialty care. That's a lower cost healthcare ecosystem than what they'll go buy from Blue Cross Blue Shield or United, right? So we can now drive down the premiums. But now that employer not only is being able to buy a lower cost healthcare system, but they're buying access 
from every employee from their primary care physician. So when an employer signs up with us, they get to pick their primary care physician within our ecosystem of HipNation, and they get that cell phone of their doctor. Every employee, the, the janitor, the receptionist, the, the, the factory worker, the guy, right, the guy fixing the tires on the cars, they get access to their personal doctor in a way that they've never, ever had before. And, and so that's a beautiful thing. The concern comes around a little bit as, as people say, well, goodness gracious, wait a minute, if you have a primary care doctor that is seeing 2,500 to 3,000, right? we've got a physician shortfall in the United yes. States. People aren't in primary care. Uh, you, you, what's going to happen with all these people out there? And, and the reality is going to become very quickly, and it is already, that primary care is a terrible job description in today's environment. It's tough. It's tough. I mean, I feel, you know, they're, they're running around seeing so many people doing so many things that don't matter about taking care of patients. That's why they're burnt out. And so our conversation and the thing that we believe is that we fix that job description of primary care to see fewer patients, still get paid well for the services that you're bringing, be a physician again. Guess what? People are going to want to go into primary care again. You know, right now in the United States, one out of three physicians are primary care physicians. Two out of three are specialists like me. I'm a practicing urologist. We're upside down. But it's just because the job description is so terrible for primary care that you have to fix that if you want to get the numbers going back into primary care. When you think about the patients that you see, I know in, the, in its early days, the model of concierge medicine really was consumed heavily by the C-suite type yeah. folks, right? Yep. People with means and they could afford to pay what feels like maybe a little bit more on, on a monthly basis. This is care for everybody as you're describing and and obviously in that instance that means then i would assume your patients then mirror the comorbid polypharmacy patients that you encounter in a traditional practice would that be true no that's exactly right the beautiful thing so i'll give you an example so we we signed up a company that's uh over in in cop county had 28 employees you know, we went into their, their C-suite, their owner, had a concierge doctor. Uh, we went through and took our healthcare ecosystem to them. We rewired their insurance plan design. We saved them $83,000 on their annual spend, you know, for their employees. So now that company has $83,000 that they were spending, sending out to an insurance company that now they get to have in their pocket. Their CEO can now use that to, to grow his company. He had a concierge doctor. And the, and the beautiful thing that, that John, as the owner, said is, well, wait a minute, Monica? My, my receptionist out there gets a concierge doctor too, right? And they have the same health and wellness, you know, as far as a, a profile of any other company out there. And the beautiful part that when I start taking a look at the polypharmacy and the, and the sick is that who's going to manage them best? A doctor who's trying to see as many people as they can, running through 25 people a day, spending time doing meaningless work on a computer that has nothing to do with providing great care, or a doctor that is only seeing 600 to 700 people on an annual basis that sees 8 to 10 people a day that can interact and engage with their patients through multiple different media, you know, phone, text, telemedicine with their doctor. Who's going to manage the sick better? Right? It's a night and day. It's an easy answer. And so we bring better care to the sick than anybody can because of the time that our physicians have and the lack of distraction they have in their office by getting rid of all the noise, 
of the third-party payer insurance-based system. Well, when you look at the traditional model out there, there's a big focus on chronic care management, on annual wellness visits for those higher-risk patients because it stands to reason that if I spend a little more time with you and helping you understand why it might make sense to stop smoking, why it might make sense to eat better, things that we know patient behavior contributes to these chronic illnesses very heavily. So it sounds like because you're seeing fewer patients per physician that you can take that time to really counsel those patients and hopefully begin to bend the curve on the patient's end of things where they're changing their behaviors, I guess, more readily. And you're spot on. I mean, relationships matter. Time matters. You know, when, when physicians have no time on their hands and, and you come in and see me, CW, and, and you're stressed out and you're overeating and, you know, your blood pressure is high and, and how do I manage that right now? And primary care, if I don't have the time to sit down and have a 45-minute, hour, hour-and-a-half conversation with you, how do I manage that? I bump up your blood pressure medicine. I have time to sit down and have a conversation with you and talk through some of the stressors in your life. Let's talk about a better way to manage the eating that might happen when you're stressed. Let's maybe even talk about maybe some finances are making you stressed. Let's maybe talk about some financial management. Right? Let's take a look at the whole you rather than the seven-minute window of time that I've got to manage you in order to try to make you healthier, make you well. You mentioned having relationships with entities that provide lab services, other diagnostics that you might need to manage those patients. Talk about that a little bit and what it's like for the patients to engage with that kind of care that might be needed from the cost-out-of-pocket kind of perspective. No, sure. So the, the, the difficult thing in today's healthcare world right now is people are paying high premiums, right, astronomically high premiums, to carry ridiculously high deductibles, you know, I've seen deductibles yeah. up to $7,900 for an individual, $15,800 for a family. And then they've got to go buy expensive health care services. Right? Because all that insurance aspect that's touching every aspect of health care makes health care really expensive. So when we peel all of that out, I can get labs at 90% off. I can get labs less than for a cup of coffee. So for an example, I, I had a, a patient that uh, had labs done within, within Hypnation. And as is not uncommonly the case, we got a, a, you know, a bill came back in erroneously from the lab that we used because the person checked the wrong box in the lab. And it was a $706 lab bill. Normal insurance-based charges for these labs. We get those labs for $48. <laughs> Why is anybody right. paying $706 for labs that are for, And this was a huge full panel. I, I get a CBC, complete blood count, a comprehensive metabolic panel, a chemistry panel, a thyroid panel, and a lipid panel for $11.30. That's really unbelievably affordable when we get all the hands out of the pie. And so that is the case, whether it's labs, whether it's imaging, you know, we can go and do the same thing and direct contract with imaging and get chest x-rays for $35. We get CT scans and MRIs at a fraction of their price within the current health insurance-based world. And so now we've made healthcare more affordable you know, by actually just getting rid of all those intermediaries that are in the way. How about specialists? Um, if I need a cardiologist, if I need an orthopedic surgeon or a urologist, what, what does it look like for the patients in, in regards to those types of specialists, specialists yeah. they may need? No, certainly. And, and that's the beauty of what we've done is that we've reached even out into the specialty space because my specialists, and you know, I'm one of them, will tell you that I run tremendously high overhead costs having to interact with an insurance-based company as well. If I create payment at the point of service, 
rates. It's a lot cheaper for me to collect a dollar at the desk today than for me to have a 30 or 60 or 90 day account receivable where I'm having to code it and bill it and deal with claims denial processes. And, you know, revenue cycle management is the big kind of, you know, word in the offices. There's a 12 steps of revenue cycle management for an office, right? <laughs> yeah. There's only one step when you pay me when you come into my door. <laughs> right. Which one is a lot more effective and affordable for me I mean, and efficient for me to get that money? You pay me today, I'll do it for less. And, and significantly less than having to pass it through a third-party payer through the insurance-based system. And so if you pay at the point of service, we'd have significantly reduced rates for those for every specialty out there. And again, we can do that all the way up to the door of the hospital for even ambulatory surgeries. But the way we work into that insurance-based space is I understand that people, again, can't necessarily afford you know, to have a gallbladder removed, even though we might be able to do it at 60% of the cost of the sure. hospital system. Or, you know. So we have insurance products that are set up that understand that we are a lower-cost, higher-quality system. The insurance products works in synergy with us that they don't make us drive the cost up but help the individual offset the cost and the payment for those those by, by being more economically efficient in how that insurance is actually paying for the healthcare services that are being delivered. So what is that side like for the patient? You, you mentioned that there is some insurance behind the care you're providing. My, my typical interaction with my primary care doctor in particular sounds like it's more or less fee-for-service. Um, Talk about that insurance side of things. Is it more or less what you might think of? It may be a little different, but as a as a plan that's designed to help me if I have to go to the hospital, more catastrophic, if you will, or I have to have a surgery that may be more expensive. Um, talk about that side for the patient. No, certainly. So uh, it, it depends on where we work, but we'll act as if we're going into an employer-based group. So, you know, so we can go into an employer-based group, and we've got our healthcare ecosystem, you know, the membership for primary care, you know, our outpatient healthcare ecosystem, my wonderful little smarter healthcare island. And we go in and we rewire that insurance-based product to work in synergy with us so that that membership for primary care, you know, that means that, you know, with just every month, you know, there's a, a monthly payment for primary care. We build that actually into the insurance premium. You know, we actually understand now that our outpatient ecosystem works better by payment at the point of services. We create the modeling to allow that that if that company creates their own insurance product, that they can help create payment at the point of service so that they can access lower costs, really the true cost rates for healthcare services. So the way we rewire it is we just work differently to allow the payments to flow in a more efficient way. When you look at this model, I mean, what do you see as the greatest hurdle to helping it grow is it is it just getting access to the physicians helping them stop to to listen to it i mean it sounds like it almost sells itself but i mean what's what what do you see as the the greatest obstacles for what you're doing um i think one is that that the current system the way it is right now is indoctrinated in people you know we've been doing healthcare this way for so long that people are just used to paying out insurance premiums and walking in the current you know healthcare system and they don't want to think about it and they just want to go to their doctor and pay a copay and do those types of things and and to kind of start thinking a little bit differently you know can be a difficult sell uh, can be a difficult hurdle to, to overcome uh, so one just that indoctrination of, of how healthcare is is just uh, always difficult to make a change now we talk about upgrading right this is now smarter upgraded approach and in, in to, to healthcare. so that's difficult i think out there a little bit um, the other part i think that's a, a little bit of of something to overcome is 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 growth 
you know, is that this is a new concept, this is a, a, a newer idea. And for, you know, an employer or people to go, well, wait a minute, you haven't been around like 50 years like Blue Cross Blue Shield has. Uh, am I, well, you know, 80 years maybe for Blue Cross Blue Shield. <laughs> uh, you haven't been around that long, uh, you know, then, then, then is this really something that's, that's good for me to do? Change is always difficult. Uh, the reality is, though, if we continue to doing the same things we've always done, we're going to get the same pathway that we're on right now, which is unaffordable, unaccessible, you know, healthcare that's not pay- focused upon the patient. So, so change, I think, is probably our biggest impediment overall. When you look at, I know pharmaceutical industry for sure, probably to a large extent, similarly, the device industry, they talk about how when these things that were first released that they're expensive because we have all this research we need to support to develop these. I mean, how do you see such a model like this affecting innovation in healthcare? Do you feel like if we make things less expensive, then we can't afford to develop new new things right um the the reality is is that actually if we put money into the place where it's supposed to into to, to health care we can really drive innovation in healthcare. so i'll start from the from the ground up so from the ground up in my office if i'm a primary care physician and i'm not having to deal with a, a back office of four or five people that are coding and billing if i'm not having to follow the, the the metrics from the insurance company telling me hey this is what i need to check in order for me to get a nine nine two one three right that doesn't matter to me anymore. All that matters to me now is how do I interact and engage with you? So telemedicine. Telemedicine has been available since the 1960s, some people will say. We've had Skype since 2004. Why haven't people across the United States been able to access their physician in a very easy, facile way on your phone? Why hasn't it happened? Because I didn't have a billable code. Not because the technology wasn't there. It wasn't because I wasn't able to engage with you as a patient. Mm-hmm. It's because I didn't have a code. If I get rid of that as my impediment to innovation, now I go, how do I meet your needs as my patient? How do I create a customer relationship management tool as opposed to meeting all the requirements of a revenue cycle management tool that is the insurance company you know, system? And so that allows me to drive innovation, whether it's in access to care, whether it's in wearable-based devices, whether it's bringing in things like cognitive-based technologies that allow me to interact and engage and understand your health better because money's not now flowing to people that don't help Right, those ten people per doctor that have everything to do with yeah. the payment model. Right, six hundred billion dollars a year, all about the payment model. Imagine putting those resources into how do I actually take care of you better and understand you better and predict your health better and prescribe you better. How do I do that better? So, taking the resources and putting them into the healthcare as opposed to the industry of healthcare really makes us, you know, have a lot of potential for for rapid growth. When I think about the healthcare system in general, I, I feel as though doing what you're doing in terms of delivering care at a less expensive price point, just because it can be done both profitably mm-hmm. um, as well as effectively from a clinical perspective, it seems to me there's huge opportunity just to decide to do it a little differently. What do you think is the biggest flaw that we've been facing and holding it back? Because now it's it feels unsustainable with what we're doing now. Right. And it is. I mean, if you look at, you know, you know CMS came out with their national health care expenditure data and their, their expectation over the next decade, and, and we're about a $3.7 trillion spend in healthcare right now, they're projecting that to be about $6 trillion in the next 10 years. 
You know, when employers are telling you right now that I can't keep up with my health insurance premiums, you know, that they're eating away and eroding my profits, they're not allowing me to give salary increases to my employees because it's all going to health benefits, right? When all those things are, are moving in the wrong direction, we've got to fix this. We've got to do something, you know, different in order to kind of really solve this problem that, that is health care. Uh, and so we're, we're really almost at this push where we have to do something. And I was talking to somebody earlier today, we're at an inflection point. And I love an inflection point when inflection is innovation, inflection is bringing something better forward to people. And this is where we're excited about what we've done with regards to a smarter healthcare system. Obviously, many of our viewers and listeners are physicians of different types. I mean, final thoughts on what you would say to those doctors that are in that traditional model today, wish things could be different. What do you? Th- what would you say to them before we have to let you go? Yeah, I, um, I'm sad a little bit. Actually, I'm sad a lot. You know, I, I'm saddened for my fellow colleagues because they're they're kind of burnt out. Most doctors are, are really struggling amongst the the current morass of the healthcare system, and, and I hate that for our patients. You know, I hate that for my fellow physicians, and and I want them to let them know that there's a better way. That that we've got a platform here that allows us to provide better care to people to fulfill our calling of taking care of people you know to allow us to put bread on our table you know to allow us to be innovative in the space of of really interacting and engaging with patients Uh, i'm excited about obviously if you can't tell where we're going in healthcare, and and i need you know more and more soldiers coming on board and, and joining us in this battle and and you know physicians you know there was a recent physician uh, uh, foundation survey you know that that you know physicians said hey we we believe that we're supposed to be the caretakers of the healthcare system right we're the ones who are supposed to fix it but only about 4% thought they actually had an opportunity to do it right they're too busy and distracted doing too many things running around like chickens with our head cut off and we go hey you know what you don't have to be depressed and, and unable to make a difference. Join us and join us in this battle, and, and we will fix healthcare for the generations to come and, and for today. Heavily focused around the Atlanta metro area, but in, in talking to you before we went on air today, it sounds like folks from around the country are starting to reach out. Where do I go get more information about Hip Nation and this model? No, oh, great. Uh, and yeah, we're getting you know, pu- pu- uh, pushback and or, or feedback from all over. So you can go to hipnation.com. It's H I P nation.com that's our, our website that talks about our model talks about what we're doing and and certainly you, you can always reach out to me it's b hill b as in boy h-i-l-l at hipnation.com well dr brian hill hip nation i want to say thank you for joining us again i always enjoy our discussions i look forward to talking to you some more actually and we'll have to have you back as you continue to expand your network and the environment that you are building to deliver health care i hope that the folks that have checked us out today will turn around and click share on this you may be very well putting information in the hands of somebody that means something to you just because you did so and i want to make sure you get out to facebook check them out on twitter where all our shows can be found there obviously you can go to mag.org slash top docs and check out all of our previous episodes that we've done on the show to the folks at medical association of georgia i want to say thanks so much it's been very cool doing this show for the last five years and we look forward to catching up with you all next time we'll see you then